Well, hello there. It's another day. I'm Jim Harrington. And I am Bill Knight. I'm not going to say happy Monday, although, you know, these long weekends, I know they just take my mental All calendar. Right. All right. Before we get this, let's get this out of this, your system right now. Oh, you geez. told me you met a celebrity over the weekend, and I mean, I was I was kind of surprised. I mean, he went up to Boston, and, and, and you know, he had a nice time with, with friends, and but, but a celebrity? Who did you bump into? Well, it was wasn't in Boston. It was in New York. I was at the lighthouse there. Uh, was okay. it Nobles Bay or something like that? Is that up yeah. in Maine? Uh, th- that's up in Maine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I went up there, and uh, you know, we were looking at. The, I like lighthouses. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, ironically, the celebrity was on a leash. I couldn't believe they were on a leash, but they were on. Mm-hmm. Mr. Oh, so it was, it was it was Sean Penn. Uh, close. <laughs> no, it was Mr. Puddles. So, so it could be Sean Penn, but no. Wait, it wait, wait. It was a- Mr. Puddles. Mr. Puddles. Who is Mr. Puddles? He's a well-mannered duck on a leash that gets walked around. <laughs> really? Really? You mean somebody's <laughs> walking around in Maine with a duck on a leash? The lady that <laughs> has a duck that she trained. The duck was a year old. The duck was very friendly. You could hold the duck if you uh-huh. wanted to. Did the duck uh, would come up. Well, what happens if the duck wanted to fly or go for a swim? It, it doesn't. It, 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 it doesn't. Okay. No. No, the duck was a very friendly duck. Everybody liked the duck. And, I mean, nobody saw the duck until mm-hmm. one guy goes, I've never seen that before in my life. i got to get a picture. A duck on a leash. And they look, yeah, that was a duck on a leash. I mean, who would think about putting a duck on a leash? I'm just, I'm just Well, saying. this lady probably, she's the only she must, one. You know, she must now. be very lonely up in that lighthouse. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, there's nobody in the lighthouse. Oh, okay. So it's an automated lighthouse. Yeah, be, they're all automated these days, mm-hmm. and it's one of the few that are uh, left that are maintained by the uh, the uh, the Coast Guard. Really? Yeah, but you know the it actually sits on an island. You can walk up to the the shore of the rocks, and you know it'd be a nice fall down and a good swim across. Is it the original can... lighthouse, like the the one that goes back? Yeah, it's the original lighthouse. The original lighthouse and the uh, lighthouse keeper's house there in the yard where they could keep their dog. I think it was going until 1986. Hey, New, in- New England is full of those, Bill. You, you'd love that. I mean, you get down to R- Rhode Island. They've got a bunch in Newport mm-hmm. and, and along the coast of Rhode Island, lighthouses. A lot of people have bought them and renovated them and made houses out of, out of them, would you believe? Yeah, and then a lot have gotten in ill, repair, uh, in ill repair, but this is one that's still maintained by the Coast Guard, but they don't have anybody there anymore. And actually, ships when they're in the fog out at sea can actually turn on the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always ready to go. You know, but I would imagine yeah. GPS has has taken the need for lighthouses away because you can just look at your GPS and know where you are. Yeah, you know, you and you know the rocks are over to your right, so stay away from that that area. You know, of yeah. course, you lose your GPS and you know you're in trouble. Well, I mean, they're they're part of our history, and you know. A, a, part of nautical history, so I, I think they should be preserved and maintained, you know, just for historic value. But, you know, there are a lot in ill repair and it would cost too much to repair them. This has been kept pristine. Nobody can go in it. Uh, only a few. As a matter of fact, when we asked about it, the one lady that was a volunteer there, she had been in it. But when we walked away, you know, we were out and about, and all of a sudden somebody comes running up behind us, you know, and like, Sean, I don't want to frighten you. I don't know. I'm not stalking you, but I want to give you the history because you guys seem to, uh, you know, like lighthouses. So it was kind of neat. I got all the history. I'm not going to bore it. Now I'll tell you it. what uh, shouldn't be uh, preserved and maintained: 
uh, at least as far as uh, uh, Congress goes, is <laughs> this new budget. Oh, that budget stinks. Oh, man, talk about being DOA. You know, McCarthy came out, and he was kind of proud of uh, the budget. As a matter of fact, he was on with Shannon Bream on mm-hmm. Sunday, and here's what he had to say. Okay, I don't know how much rest you've gotten, but let's <laughs> dive in, because um, you got a deal, and now you got to sell it to members. So let's talk a little bit more about some of those who are upset. Uh, Congressman Dan Bishop, Chad talked about him. He tweeted this after the call you had with the group last night. Heard the call. Rhino's congratulating McCarthy for getting almost Zippo in exchange for $4 trillion debt ceiling hike was enough to make you, and he used the vomit emoji. Actually, it's so bad they won't give a figure for the debt ceiling hike, only that it's suspended till first quarter of 2025. Our bill was a year less. Your reaction? He's probably a no vote. Well, that's okay, because more than 95% of all those in the conference were very excited. But think about this. We finally were able to cut spending. We're the first Congress to vote for cutting spending year over year. So you cut that back. You fully fund the veterans. You fully fund defense. But you take that non-defense spending all the way back lower than 22 levels. Now you get work requirements for TANF and SNAP, where the Democrats said that was a red line. Now you're able to reform NEPA. How frustrating we are. With It's been 40 years since you could streamline it. To build a road in America, takes you seven years of review. We now limit that where it's focused, where you can only review it for one to two years. We're going to get America working again. We get the process working again, where we always have these omnibuses at the end of the year. We now penalize the Congress if they don't get their jobs done. There is so much in this that's positive, and measure it to all the other debt ceilings. When Republicans had the presidency, the Senate, and the House, did they ever cut spending? No, they increased it. We were able to do this when the president said he wasn't even going to talk to us. This is really a step in the right direction. It puts us a trajectory that's different. We put a statutory cap on only spending 1% for the next six years. So we let government grow, but at a slower rate. You can't put lipstick on a pig because it's still a pig. Trust me. For example, only $1.9 billion of the $80 billion that they're using to fund those brand new 87,000 IRS agents who are going to audit the middle class. That's you and me and other people like Mm -hmm. us. Okay. Only $1.9 billion was removed. That means they've still got like uh, $78 billion of that budget. They're not going to cut much from that uh, group of 87,000 new IRS agents that he promised to get rid of. Yeah, no, that that, that budget is a, is a loss. And, you know, we only hear about these certain big-ticket things. That budget is so massive. There's more pork in that thing than we oh, yeah. even know about. Oh, and yeah. It needs to be dissected. And the 87,000 IRS agents armed, that just needs to go away. You Period. can't you can't defend uh this budget. You were negotiating with a senile doofus, okay? Who sounded mm. like this when he was asked questions about about his negotiation skills. Listen. <laughs> President, you said at the beginning that the debt ceiling is not negotiable. Isn't that what you've just done here? And isn't that what you guys look? We're not negotiating the debt ceiling. Here's the deal: they passed. They said they're going to. They passed the debt ceiling, and they said they'd only do it on condition that it have all these cuts in it. I said I'm not going to do that. You passed the debt ceiling. Period. I'll negotiate with you on the cuts. What you say. What's going to happen? What, what, what the budget's going to look like? 
that's what we are negotiating in order to get to them deciding that they're going to go along with a new debt ceiling, meaning that it's not attached. It's something totally different attached than was attached before. But you want to try to make it look like I made some compromise in the debt ceiling, and I didn't. I made a compromise on the budget. Right, but that's what they wanted, is you to make a compromise on the budget, and that's what you've done, even though you haven't gone as far as they wanted, isn't that right? Sure, yeah. Well, <laughs> can you think of an alternative? Can you think of an alternative? Yeah, <laughs> don't present a bill that's re- uh, a budget that's ridiculous. Well, uh, well, I'll tell you right now, from Joe Biden's mind, and probably the Democrats, they'll sell it. If this budget went through, mm-hmm. he wins because he can say, hey, you know what? I uh, I worked with them. I didn't compromise, but I worked with them. And, yeah, we had to change some numbers. But the reason that everything has gone to hell in a handbasket is because they cut what we originally wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, no matter what, it's a trap. The better thing to have done was just to sit there and say, you know what? You know Sorry, but we we can't increase this budget the way the way you want to, or even at all. Do you listen to his it. logic? I'm talking about Biden's lo- logic. Yeah, it's dumb. It was all over the place. I mean, mm-hmm. who is McCarthy really negotiating with? Because if you sat down with this guy, he, he'd talk you into a, a circle. I'm talking about Biden. I didn't negotiate because the budget and the ceiling didn't collapse, and I negotiated the budget, and that's why the budget was negotiated, and the and I didn't negotiate the ceiling. I mean, I mean, I know it sounds like gibberish because it is, but that's what he sounded like. And I'm thinking, if McCarthy spent his time negotiating with this guy, uh, I'm surprised he got anything done. But he didn't. He sat down and negotiated with uh, aides, I'm sure, and advisors to the president who had. They're marching orders probably from Barack Obama's house. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're getting a lot of nonsense here. This budget is not good. People say, well, what's the option? You're going to go into default. The country's never gone into default. First of all, it won't be for long. It never, it can't be. Otherwise, we just won't have a country. So it will force somebody's hand. Hopefully, it will force Biden's hand. If we go into default, we're not going to lose. He, he, Biden talks about, you're going to lose Social Security and Medicaid. No, no, no. Now, there's too many people in the country who are dependent upon Social Security and Medicaid. There will be some stopgap measure passed to at least keep those things funded. I guarantee you, even if it's some kind of a, a loan situation where they say everybody who relies on Social Security, uh, we're going to give you IOUs that you can use in place or something, something that w- will be interim. It's not going to be forever. Uh, we've never been into a budget situation before uh, in this country, but maybe, maybe it's just what we need to shock us into stopping the spending. We, we are literally way over our heads with debt. You and I, well, if we ran our house budget this way, we would be bankrupt. And we're bankrupt essentially right now as a country. Yeah. You know what? It's the health of the country. I mean, when you talk about the budget, it's the heartbeat of the country. So if you put this into just very personal human, uh, you know, uh, explanation, mm-hmm. uh, consider yourself that you are, uh, you weigh 400 pounds and you're five foot eight. Yeah. You know, your heart's taking a beating. Your heart can't take much more. You have to go on a very strict diet. Mm-hmm. You can't sit there and go, well, 
I'm going to increase increase my calorie intake from the 3,000 uh, calories a day I've been eating to just another 1,500 calories, you know, and uh, eat 4,500 calories, which is probably low for a 450-pound person. But I'm saying yeah, we are too fat for our own britches, and we have to go on a diet. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have to sit there and take that budget and strip it down and, you know, when we get down to where we need to be, and we really shouldn't have a debt. So we're going to have to sit there, and I think you're right. I, I don't think it would be a long time right. if we got realistic about the budget. You it should never spend more than you have. The guy, well, here's what the mistake we made with McCarthy is he negotiated something at all with, with Biden. Biden didn't negotiate for 97 days. He refused to sit down and talk about the budget. He only so we would, should have done the same thing to him. Yeah, but now he's given Biden an out, an off ramp. He's he has essentially said, "Okay, uh, we'll agree to this." And Biden's can right now. Biden can say, "Hey, I I, neg- I negotiated, and we came to an agreement. It's not my fault that Congress didn't pass it. We've given Biden an off ramp, and mm-hmm. and he never should have had it because the guy literally did negotiate for like uh, three months." Three months he didn't he earn have. it. He did, and you know, there, there's no meat on that bone for the American people. It is for politicians or their promises, and their you know, it, it a lot of that money goes in their pocket through deals they've made. So what they're saying now is, at least eight Republicans are uh, right from the get go have said, "No, we're not going to go with that uh, with that budget." I guess it was uh, representatives Good, Roy, Bishop, Norman, Bobert. Biggs, mm-hmm. Rosendale, Buck, and uh, people who are criticizing it right now, Luna, uh, Representative Cloud, Representative Santos, and, of course, Representative Matt Gates. Uh, so at least, like, 12 are saying either no or they're leaning that way. And I think it's going to be a lot more than that. I wonder how many congressmen have actually read the budget from beginning to end because— you know, a budget should be something that, you know, you can see and understand in just a few paper, you know, pieces yeah. of paper. Yeah. I mean, I, this thing is probably a telephone book. I'll bet and maybe they maybe they do have this, but I would think that at the very least the synopsis should be one or two pages, maybe three pages. You know, like an outline, you know, so much to this branch, so much to this branch. And then if you want to go deeper, you can go to the uh, chapter on that branch, you know, but it should be something you can look at at a glance. As a matter of fact, it should be something every American citizen can access and understand. But, you know, the government is constantly giving us stuff that confuses us as a people. I mean, you look at our tax code. Our tax code should be the simplest thing in the world. Somebody said that we could have our entire uh, IRS form on a on a postcard. You weigh this much. You pay eight percent of it. There's no deduction. So you, you know if you made a hundred mm-hmm. grand and and our taxes seven uh, percent, then you spend seven thousand. You send us seven thousand dollars. We call it a day. What's I'm, the working uh, What's the working population of uh, or you know what the working population probably earns a certain amount of money that we, obviously, we would know, right? Mm-hmm. Why don't we just go back to the old simple, even back Reagan talked about it too, just a flat tax. Flat tax. Oh, absolutely. 
five percent yeah. that's it there are no write-offs there's nothing so if you make a billion dollars you pay five percent that's it done end of story you can't write anything off no deductions no nothing five percent you make a hundred dollars right you pay five percent of that which right. was five dollars you know, yeah five dollars and that's it no no deductions, no nothing. That's what you pay, and that's all there is. A lot to of it. people think that another way to go is with a forget income tax, have a national sales tax. Now that's even more intrusive. I mean, they'll actually make much more money on a national sales tax. Every sale out there, a percentage of it will go to the government. Uh, so there'll be a constant uh, flow of cash into the system. And it's hard to, uh, you know, cut cut around that. I mean, if you go and buy a car and the car costs you $10,000 and the sales tax is uh, 6%, then you know that uh, 6% of that ten grand is going to the government. You know? Yeah, the problem that I have with the national sales tax, you have a national sales tax, you have a tax. You have a uh, statewide sales tax. And then, of course, uh, you know, you got uh, the... Uh, you know, state taxes and city taxes. Everybody you'd have, wants you'd to. You'd have no IRS tax. You'd have no no IRS income tax. That that's the alternative. You yeah, know. I you know I I think they got to you know unify how they get their taxes. You know, so it's consistent and it's not something that you know that anybody can dodge out of. I think it should be though like a set rate, five or six percent. That's it. And you can only go into our pockets so deep because we're the ones earning the money, making the money. And if you want more money in taxes, well, give us the opportunity to earn more money. And then that 6% or 5% you're getting increases, you know, naturally through osmosis, just the natural ebb and tide of things, the flow. Well, uh, I don't know what your thoughts are. I, I think I do know what your thoughts are. I, I think you're like, like I, I am. I'm... I'm not a, in favor of this budget, uh, negotiated budget that McCarthy mm -hmm. put together. I'm actually disappointed. You know, he said, first he said uh, when he first became speaker that he was going to give all of the video from January 6th to Tucker, and he only gave a little bit of it, and, and, that, and then he stopped. Okay, that was the first thing he backed off on after he said he was going to do something. Then he talked about he was going to get rid of the 87,000 IRS agents, he said promises kept. Remember that he said. Yeah. He said that from the uh, the podium. Do I have it here? I should have it here. Well, that's going to hurt this Congress and whether we have a Republican Congress uh, at the end of next year. Well, because every promise yeah. that we break yeah. is going to be held against us. The Republicans have got a tough time in a lot of areas coming well, up know, for the election. You know what happened over the weekend in Texas will give you an idea of where. We are, as a Republican Party, you know, um, Ken Paxton is the attorney general of Texas, and he, mm -hmm. he's a true MAGA supporter. He is a, a real, a real uh, soldier. He's the, guy, he's the guy who put together the, uh, the suit. Uh, he went to the government afterwards, uh, after the election, and got 28 states together and petitioned uh, the Supreme Court to go back and look at uh, the election they didn't of course they had they said the 28 states had no standing but ken paxton was the catalyst that got that going well over uh, the weekend he said i guess it was toward the end of last week he said the speaker of the texas house 
had gone up on the podium drunk, and apparently he has uh, done this in the past, even when he was a uh, U.S. representative, this guy. And um, so I guess they decided, we'll fix you. They decided to impeach Ken Paxton. This is the Mm -hmm. Republican House of Representatives in Texas, and they they voted to, to impeach him. So now he has to hope that the Senate doesn't vote two-thirds uh, in favor of the uh, removal, because if that's the case, he will lose his, his position. And the way Texas is going, you have a governor who I thought had some cojones, as they would say. It's going to be a Democrat state again. Oh, well, they don't need to be. If they're rhinos, hey, the Democrats will get the, what they want. Greg Abbott, he, you may have seen him. He's the governor of Texas. He's in a wheelchair. He uh, always presents himself as a conservative, but he didn't jump to the aid of uh, Paxton. You would have thought that if he had any loyalty, he would have said, knock it off. He's my attorney general. Get back in line. But no, he just sort of sat there on the sidelines and let it all happen. He let it happen. So, and you know, I, I was wondering why he didn't make a more challenging move to the border as the governor of, of Texas, he could have sent down the National Guard with, they could have been there with rifles and said, don't come into our, our state. But he didn't do it. He sort of milk toasted himself. He just sort of, you know, we'll send down some uh, National Guardsmen to, you know, hand out flyers or uh, be, uh, to guide them along their route. I mean, it was a real milk toast way of, uh, of handling the situation, which I think is an indication of the problem we have with the entire Republican Party. We have a lot of rhinos out there. I got, as a matter of fact, I have another uh, story about one of our rhino friends in a second, but I, I, I only pointed that out because that impeachment mm-hmm. happened over the weekend, and yeah. uh, uh, it's an indication of the situation we've got and the situation that President Trump is up against. Well, I was going to say, you know, when you look at uh, what's going to happen next year, I think if I were a man to predict, yeah, Trump is going to win the primary and become the Republican nominee. But in the meantime, the Republicans, the rhinos and whatnot, are fighting amongst themselves. Trump's problem is not DeSantis or anybody else that comes along. Trump's problem is the Republican Party itself. <laughs> While we're sitting out there trying to, you know, they're playing with themselves. It's, uh, yeah. you know, there's a, there's a definition. I'm not going to use it. Uh, but it has to do with the circle. Anyway, that's what's going on with the Republican Party. And what's going to happen is, and it's already happening, the Democrats, they don't have a candidate, but they're not infighting about their candidate that they don't have or the idiot that they do have. What they're doing is they're getting all their money together and they're building up this big, massive war chest. And when it's all over, they're going to take that money and use it if they're not already doing it to perfect and buy more ballot harvesting, which really, since it's been done and we're, they're doing it, that's where our money should be going, not to sit there, this infighting going around, Trump or no Trump, DeSantis or this. We're going to blow all our money on on minutia, and then when it gets down to the bare bones, uh, you know, just getting to the basics here of the election, there's not going to be any money in the coffers or, you know, to mount a campaign for Trump. He can't do it by himself. He needs that backing, and the Republicans have the power to sit there and the money to do it, but no, we're peeing it away. And, you know, that's that's going to put either Biden back in or, uh, 
you know, another idiot or possibly eight more years of idiots in charge. You know, with Democrats, we know how bad they are. We know what it, we know what a Democrat is. There's no hiding it. For the most part, 99 and 44, 100% of them are socialist. They're anti-American in the eyes of many of us. And, but we, we can expect them to be this way because they're Democrats. They've shown their true colors. Rhinos, on the other hand, are, are the worst. The rhinos pretend to be one of us. They, they walk around in our clothing. They spew lines from our text. They sound like they're one of us, but yet behind the scenes, they're quietly rooting for the left. As a matter of fact, they're quietly not just rooting for, but in many cases, supporting the left. And they are the worst. So, you know, this is the problem that Trump has got going forward. You know, even if he gets a Republican Congress, is he going to have a loyal Republican Congress? And uh, and I have my doubts. I really do. I have my doubts. I'm still one of these guys. I, I love Trump. I think DeSantis is a good guy. I mean, I think DeSantis says a lot of the right things, the things I like to hear. But a lot of his PAC money is PAC money that's coming to him by way of people like Jeb Bush, you know. And there's an old saying, show me your friends and I'll tell you what you are. And I think that's the situation with uh, Ron DeSantis. He's being mm-hmm. supported by people that I don't oh, really care for. Oh, now there for. you go. You see now that now, now you got a rhino situation there. Let's say that DeSantis runs. Jeb wanted to run for president. He's probably still young enough that he could walk in as a VP and then work up to be, you know, what he thinks another wow. Bush in the White House. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that would be uh I think that would be an incredible letdown. But I wouldn't be surprised because, you know, once you take PAC money from an organization, you owe them. That's right. Yeah. I mean, when you mentioned that, I'm going, well, there's two pieces of a puzzle that's never been put together. So there it is. You hear it anywhere (laughs) else, you heard it here first. That's true. Um, We were talking about this other rhino. You know, over the holiday weekend, Bill, you spend some time with people you care about up Mm -hmm. in the Boston area. You you celebrated the Memorial Day weekend. You probably saw a lot of flags waving on your little uh, sojourn up to uh, Maine. It was a patriotic weekend and a, a time to, to think back to the people who gave everything so that we could enjoy this weekend. I mean, think about it. I mean, I, I, I love, I'm a historian of Gettysburg, of the Civil War, Antietam, places like that. Uh, and, and when you go there and you realize how many men literally died in, in most cases in the most, most brutal and horrific way so that we would have a country to enjoy things like Memorial Day weekend. That's what really gets my go, by the way. I'm a little diversion here. You know, so many good people gave everything to keep this country the way it is, and we have these weasels in politics who are literally, for their own greed and power, destroying what these good people have done, you know? Mm -hmm. I I mean, I watched over the weekend one of my favorite, uh, if you can call a a war movie, a favorite war movie, movie. I watched Hacksaw Ridge. I've seen it before. It's about uh, Desmond Doss, who was a conscientious objector uh, during World War II. He didn't want to carry a gun. He wanted to be in in the effort. He didn't mind being a soldier. He wanted to be a medic, and they promised that he would be, but he didn't even want to touch a gun because he was afraid that it would go against his belief, his faith. Uh, He didn't believe in killing. Well, everybody made fun of the guy, 
terribly made fun of the guy. Uh, a coward. Oh, what a weasel. You know, why don't you just take the deal and, and take a dishonorable discharge? Nobody will know. It won't, be, it won't mean much. He wouldn't take that. And he fought for his right to still be in the service but not to carry a gun. And he won. They made him a, a medic. And then in Hacksaw Ridge in World War II, it was, a, it was an area that the Japanese had a stronghold. It was a cliff, a beach, and this right. huge cliff. You had to scale the cliff, go over the lip of the cliff onto a, a battlefield that, that, that had, been, uh, had been secured by the Japanese, and they had to fight to, to, to get it. And a lot of guys got terribly wounded. And this this guy who everyone called a uh, a coward ended up saving like a hundred men, a hundred men who had been brutally, you know, slaughtered by these uh, munitions. Uh, guys would lose an arm, or guys would be shot in the face, or and this guy would crawl out and and drag these people back to to safety and to you know uh, health uh, to mm-hmm. a, a, a hospital area. Guy was amazing. Guy was amazing. I only mention this because you think of the effort this guy put into to doing this, and he did it because he believed in this country. And then we have these weasels down in, in D.C. right now. They've never fought anywhere. They've never carried anything for the most part. Some have, but most of them haven't. And they are, I look at Lindsey Graham. He's a colonel in, the I think, the uh, National Guard uh, in in North Carolina, or or is it North Carolina, Whoop-dee-doo. South Carolina? Yeah, I, South anyway, Carolina, South Carolina. Whoop-dee-doo. Yeah, and uh, but he, I don't think he's ever gone into a battle anywhere. But he loves war. He loves war. So while you were saluting the flag over the weekend in this country, where was Lindsey Graham? He was over in uh, the Ukraine, uh, sitting down with. Uh, Zelensky? Zelensky, right. And I want you to listen very carefully to what they said and what he said. Listen, it's, it's kind of hard to hear. I may play it a couple of times. Listen. Free or die. Free or die. Now you are free. Yes. And we will be. And the Russians are dying. It's the best money we've ever spent. Thank you so much. Now it's... Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it again one, one more time. This is Lindsey Graham and Zelensky. Free or die. Free or die. Now you are free. Yes. And we will be. And the Russians are dying. It's the best money we've ever spent. Okay. And Lindsay now has a bounty on his head. Yeah. Well, well. What, he, what he said, I'm gonna, for those who couldn't quite understand, Zelensky said, and now we are free. And then Lindsay chimed in, and the Russians are dying with a smile. It, it is the evilest thing to see on, on uh, television. He smiles like... It's satanic, and now the Russians are dying, and he laughed. So, And it's the best money we ever spent. So oh, that just yeah. tied you to the statement because oh. it's your taxpaying dollars that he just sat there and committed you to uh, Russians dying. And how many people are in this that were a nation of immigrants? Uh, I believe there's Russians here, too. Mm-hmm. Well, just 48 hours after Senator Lindsey Graham took a trip to Kiev to visit Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, a Russian interior ministry issued a warrant for his arrest. The arrest warrant comes after a viral video of Graham saying the Russians are dying 
and it's the best money we ever spent. I mean, what person in their right damn mind would say that? I mean, he's representing, while he's sitting at that chair with Zelensky, he's representing us. Now, after he said that, let's just say that somebody, you know, sadly, unfortunately, took out Graham, you know, and was Russian or from yeah. Russia or an agent. What would we do? Well, because to me, it's a provocation of what he said. He, pro he you know, he provoked it. Well, first, but, they, they, first they issued the arrest warrant. That was two days after he said it. Right. But then I believe yesterday... Um, Margarita Simonian, the editor-in-chief of state media outlet Russia Today, is calling for Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican South Carolina, to be assassinated. She's, yeah. uh, she's skipping the entire arrest warrant stuff. She wants somebody to take Graham Going right out. to the kill. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but what kind of moron in politics? You, with all the years in politics that this guy has... You would have thought he would have been far more diplomatic while he was sitting at the table with Zelensky. I mean, if he wanted to be smart, he could have said something like, uh, "President Zelensky, I'm 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 delighted to be here in your presence. Uh, we're we're pleased with your effort, your war effort, and we do hope that this effort will bring you peace in the short term." He could have said something that was far more diplomatic and, and peace to the region, on, so that everybody can walk away. But no. This weasel, Graham, had the audacity to say, the best money we ever spent. Like, by the way, it's his money. Like, it's his money. You would think that he was pulling out his wallet and, and doling out the bills himself. Anyway, yeah. uh, you told well, me you know, something. We need a reset in Washington, and not just Republicans, uh, but Democrats alike, because there are Democrats that are just like him. And we need to do a litmus test to figure out which ones are like that and yep. get rid of them, you know period. You know what's amazing? He has the way to do all these evil things, and then he goes down and he kisses Trump's derriere. If you don't know what that means, uh, it's French. Look it up. Derriere. En français, s'il vous plaît. Uh, and uh, he does. He kisses it. And, you know, Trump. He has the he has the ability. He kind of forgives Graham his his uh, missteps. Well, I hope that he's learned. I hope Trump has learned that this guy is not to be trusted, and never to be put in a situation where he can represent our country. You know, I mean, this guy's uh, he's a weasel. Well, can well, I? Well, in the art of the deal, you got to know you got to know when to hold him, when know when to fold him. And right yeah. now, you got to sit there in Trump's position. He's got to sit there and tolerate a Lindsey Graham, you know. And but does but, he, Bill? He only, you know, if he gets in, he only will have four more years. That's well, he, then he doesn't have to tolerate anybody or yeah, put up with anything. That's exactly. But then on right. the same behalf, he's going to have to defend himself for four years because, unfortunately, Trump, he's uh, he's he will draw the vote. The, the, if 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 he runs, this will be the biggest turnout ever, Republican. And people that are Democrat and people that are being paid, to buy, uh, you know, for their votes alike, you know. But I do think, you know, because he draws the 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 conservative right, yeah, and then he draws, you know, the the moderate left, and then he draws that fashion of people on both sides that just hate him because the media hates him because the woke hate him, and uh, you know, I wonder how many so, illegals are going to vote this year, you know, well, and they'll hate him too. 
but it's amazing you know, because that's the other thing. I was watching a news story over the weekend, and they're talking about, and it was a it was a touchy feely story about all these immigrants marching by the millions through the border and their stories of yeah, it's the American dream. We read about it in our history books, and we want to be a part of America. Well, that's great, and I'm not arguing with that, but you got to do it the proper way, and you know. There's only so much room in this country to let people in, you know, at a time. That's it's why they have quotas, done. Bill. <clears throat> That's yeah. why they have quotas. That's why we have, you know, usually when things are being done properly, there are quotas of, of the number of people you can allow into the country at any one time. But we don't have quotas now. We say, Come on in. Come on in. Really, really. Squeeze them in. Squeeze them in. Hey, you know, we got more. One more? Sure. Come on in. But there's always been a number, and it's been growing, you know, vastly every year. I saw a chart one time, and the amount of people they want to bring into this country, this has been a long, ongoing agenda, and they're forcing the issue because, essentially, we're replacing our population with a new yeah. set of immigrants. You know, they're so, ticked off, the illegals are ticked off at Biden, though? Because well, well it no, should be yeah they're being they were promised a certain thing or at least they thought they were promised a certain thing when they were home, then they get up here and they get shoved into these beautiful hotels and they're stuck, they they can't get a job they can't do anything they're just stuck in these hotels and they're getting really fed up I mean how 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 much longer can they hang around the Roosevelt Hotel getting free food and room, you know, well if the government's paying for it and you and I are footing that bill. I guess a long time. I heard somebody say that uh, you walk into some of these hotels now and they're openly uh, doing drugs in the lobby and uh, it's it's not the fancy hotel that they once were. You know, a lot of these hotels took this money from the government because it was it was guaranteed money. It was easy money. So they got rid of all their regular clientele and they took these illegals in, but I don't know whether they're going to recover. Because when once the the illegal thing fades out, I I don't want to go back to a hotel that's been catering to uh, illegals and and you don't know what the heck they brought with them and I mean I don't know I I think they they made a huge uh, miscalculation by All right, being look involved. At apartments, you know, I'm uh, visiting Boston. You look at apartments here, four or five thousand dollars a month, and and more. You know, and you're sitting there going, well, what is somebody doing to pay that rent? You know, that's that's a lot of rent. And then you sit there, and then you see the guy that's, you know, drugged out, smoking, doesn't have a job, drives a, you know, canardly car. But he lives in this really nice community, nice place. And you go, how in the hell is he for that? Oh, it's Section 8. See, the thing about Section 8, that's government money that comes in that pays for him. You know, 100%, everything's covered, power, utility, he gets food. And everything he gets... He's got, man, it's free. So he's happy, 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 happy. And then, you know, with that said, you know, the government, you know, pays for everything. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. But then, and but then can, does the government pay for the cleanup afterwards? What does the place care? Because that government check is on time every month. Right. And if, if we cut the budget, that check is still going to come to him on time. They'd cut Social Security before they cut that check. My question is, at some point, are they going to say to the illegals, okay, you've been here for six months, we've paid the bill, all right, you're on your own. You can't stay in the hotel for free. We're going to put you on the street. What happens to those millions of people that we've been putting up for free? I mean, 
can we continue to do this forever? And if that's well, the yes, case, Jim, yes, we can because you know you're you're a good American citizen, and are you not your brother's keeper? I'm going to appeal to your heart now, Jim. You got to help these guys out. You're going to have to sacrifice something to help these guys. I I would submit that. Uh, look, you've been here six months. I hope you enjoyed the vacation. And now we're going to take the check we would have used for next month to buy you an airline ticket back to your home country so that you can enter our country properly. We're going to take mm-hmm. that next month's check that would have normally go- gone to pay for your room and board and food and bought you a nice first class, if you want, uh, ticket back to wherever you came from and because you are not a U.S. citizen. You came here illegally. But even that, but that's a charitable thing. You're not just sending them back to the border to walk walk home. Yeah, but there's some people that have already been here illegally for six months, a year, two years. You know, let's let's take it all the way back. I mean, you know, there are some that came through during the Obama the Obama administration. Probably haven't worked a day since they've been here. Mm-hmm. And we're paying for well, it. They can't they can't live here for free. So somebody got to be giving them some money. I I would give them a nice airline ticket. Thank them for visiting our beautiful country and tell them to come back soon. And a friendly um, boot in the butt. <laughs> and off you go. Um, you mentioned something which I missed this morning, uh, and I was kind of amazed with this story. Uh, this happened, I guess, overnight in Moscow? Well, yeah, the you know, the, 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 the source that I had, and I had to dig down on it, but, you know, Russia is winning the war with, uh, you know, the Ukraine, they're using right. ballistic missiles to, to hit Kiev and they're using cheap, real cheap drones. They cost $20,000 to make mm-hmm. and that's it. So they can make them by the the millions. 20000 compared to most. A billion dollars yeah. or whatever it costs for, uh, you know, one of our, uh, what are the Patriot, Patriot missiles? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. You know, the Patriot missile is very accurate, so it, it can take down a $20,000 drone. But you can't reuse that uh, that multi-million dollar or billion dollar right. missile. So if they sit there and flood all those drones in, they're going to waste all those missiles. that can't be replaced. And so all of a sudden, who wins that war? <laughs> billion dollars, $20,000? Dollars? Yeah. yeah, you know what? I think yeah. Russia won that, but they are hitting Kiev pretty... They, they blew the hell out of it over the weekend and you this mean, morning. You mean Moscow? Uh, well, no, no. We, uh, the oh, Russians, so, really? Both? Yeah, both yeah and then the, then uh, 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 Ukraine retaliated with a drone strike against Russia this morning. Now, that drone strike that they did, and they have the more expensive drones because we supply them, and yeah. uh, all they did was uh, put black smoke stains on their buildings in Moscow. <laughs> they did very minimal damage. Uh, so, and, the, and that is the real truth. And even, and they're talking now, the, 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 the news is telling you there's a major offensive by the Ukraines getting ready to mount. But they have a limited supply of soldiers. I hate that word supply, but there's not that many troops as you are led to believe. And these guys have been ill-trained. They haven't been trained enough to take on you know, the the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Russian troops that are dug in. So they might go in and have some wins, but just by just by sheer numbers alone, you know, Russia could be as ill-trained as they are and still win by the sheer numbers and be able then to march forward with those cheap drones 
and those troops and march right in and through. Yeah. We're not so being told it, the truth about uh, what's happening over there, that folks. War, that war is about over. We're being told that the Ukraine is winning. You know, you heard just a little while ago, I played the tape with Lindsay saying, Russians are dying and it's the best money we ever spent. And Zelensky is smiling. The, the fact of the matter is things aren't going uh, peachy over there. We talked about uh, Bakhmut last mm-hmm. week. Bakhmut, a city they fought for for the entire uh, duration of the war in the Donbass region. It was lost to the Russians. So it's not going Russians great. Have, yeah, the Russians have their focus. Simple fact about war, and I think did we? I might have mentioned this at the beginning, is that uh, war is a money machine for the United States. So the one way that the Ukraine could you know, come out is that if we just turn this into a full-blown war and we get involved because during World War II, that was you know, the one thing that we did. It helped our economy. We were producing planes by the hour. We were producing ships yeah. by the day. You know, and that, that, that we racketed up that machine and boom, there well, you it was. You know what gets man. me? For politicians, because they're not terribly creative, their idea of a, a, a good economy is a war economy, period. They know that if there's a war going on, they're going to generate money. They don't realize, and a guy like Trump will come in as president and say, we can make it with uh, increased tariffs on China. We can make it by uh, drilling down and, and generating the most amount of uh, fossil fuel uh, of, of any country in the, in the globe, in the world. I mean, he, he's a creative thinker, whereas these damn politicians, they, they can only see one thing. Uh, we make money with war. Guys look like Lindsey Graham. That's all he knows. He's, mm-hmm. He doesn't think around the corner, out of the box, as they would say. But anyway, um, I wanted to play one thing before we uh, we lose time. It's about eight minutes long. Uh, this mm-hmm. is Victor Davis Hanson. He's a, a right. smart guy, a conservative scholar and historian. He was talking about something which uh, just I, I, I just couldn't agree more with. He suggested that the left is waging a Maoist style of cultural revolution and that many Americans don't understand this. This is Victor Davis Hanson. Victor, why are those institutions colluding in America's... What they, why do they want America's suicide? I don't know exactly, but I think they feel that if they're correct ideologically, then they get a pass on every type of behavior, and that behavior leads to sort of the destruction of institutions, and that's not necessarily a bad thing because they feel America was flawed in... in its origin. So you take our here in California, we're, we're, we're facing $32 billion in debt, Pete. Why would a council or commission on reparations say that we're going to get $800 billion? Uh, why not a trillion? But to African Americans, when we were a, a free state, that's eight generations ago. And then when confronted with those realities, the commission says, well, we're willing to take it on installment. Or I was just reading, you know, we, we're looking up the, the tragic death on the subway, and I thought, wow, this guy looks like he's a career criminal that was killed. I thought maybe he had a rest of five, seven. How does somebody in the criminal justice system have a an arrest record of 40 arrests, including violent assault, lewd conduct? And then his uncle weighed in, and I thought, wow, he's weighing in in support of his deceased nephew. Maybe he has a criminal record. He's been arrested 70 times. What kind of criminal justice system, I guess, ideologically just excuse felony behavior 70 times? Or we look at the border, I thought, wow, it might be porous. We might, under the Biden administration, have 100,000 or 200,000 illegal entries. But 
They just blew it up. It doesn't exist. We can't even imagine six and a half million illegal entries. And we look at the Los Angeles Dodgers. You know, Greater Los Angeles has probably got the largest city in North America of people of Mexican American or Central American or Hispanic heritage. The majority are Catholic. Most are still observant. Baseball, along with soccer, is the, the national pastime of the Spanish-speaking mm -hmm. communities here and elsewhere. Why would the Los Angeles Dodgers, who can, depends on this constituency at a time when people are, you know, audiences for professional sports are in decline, why would they invite the sisters of uh, perpetual indulgence when their stock and trade is performance art blasphemy, simulated sex, pornographic uh, attacks on the Trinity, the Catholic faith? What, what makes them do that? Is it they're hiring people out of MBA programs that are woke or they don't care? But the, the general theme in all of these incidents is that certain people feel they can take it to the ultimate level to insult traditional America, and there's no consequences, whether Target or Disney or Bud Light. And you were talking about the FBI, Pete, but I thought maybe mm -hmm. uh, an FBI director might fib once, but how did Andrew McCabe lie four times, three times under oath? Or James Clapper lied uh, about the NSA under oath, the head of the NSA, and he just simply laughed it off as, well, it's at least untruthful answer. Or John Brennan lied twice under oath, CIA director. And James Comey, I thought when he's in there and Devin Nunes and people are interviewing, he might claim amnesia 10 or 20 times but 245 times? So what I'm getting at is there's an arrogance that people feel that they can say or do whatever they want because ideologically they feel they're protected or exempt. And even if that destroys these institutions, we've destroyed the FBI, the CIA, the IRS, corporate America, at the border, and I think traditional ecumenical racial relations. And it just keeps going as if it's a Jacobin or some type of updated French Revolution. And I don't think we're, we in traditional America understand what's going on. I, our enemies do, and that's why yeah. I think they're delighted about it. Well, that's why you mentioned Communist China. That's why, of course, they export TikTok to fill our, our kids' minds with nonsense and evil things, but won't allow their own kids in China to see those very same things. And, and fentanyl, I mean, you, you, yeah. you take your pick. Uh, these corporations, clearly they know these issues yeah. don't enhance their bottom line. Tucking it in at Target is, is, isn't going to bring in a new customer base. They're signaling. The government is protecting one political power. The cultural rot, I think, because Andrew Breitbart once said, you know, politics is downstream of culture. My pastor said culture is downstream of religion. I mean, what you believe in, what you have faith in, informs the culture you have and ultimately the politics that unfold. Where between culture and religion or faith, because this feels like a, a religious belief amongst those on the left, very different form of religious belief. Where does that come from and how do we, how do we confront it? Well, I think if you're an agnostic or an atheist, you're gonna invent your own gods. And that's sort of a trope of philosophy. And they've invented these woke gods. For some, it's Mother Earth or a green deity. For some, it's redistribution or a woke goddess. And they feel that they have all the fervent belief of a true believer. And they're intolerant in a way that, you know, a fundamentalist can be. 
And if you don't believe in transcendence, and they don't, then you have these material gods, and, and they're political, and they're not, they're not forgiving. And so what That's they do exactly is, if right. you're a true believer in the left, they feel that certain privileges accrue to them. They're exempt from the full force of the law. They're able to go into a cake person and say, you're going to bake this cake, no matter if it's against your religion, but that wouldn't be uh, occur to us. You can't do that back to us. Or if you're, you know, Devin, uh, Mr. Mulvaney, uh, he wasn't really pushing Bud Light. I don't think he ever had a Bud Light in his life. The point was he was trying to <laughs> show transgenderism and push it down the throats of Americans, just like female sports. We have 50 years of feminists trying to get equity for women, and all of a sudden we have biological males that are cleaning up and destroying records of women and, and having an unfair advantage, and they've done more damage to female equity than 100 years of chauvinist male pigs in sports. And no one says a word because ideologically that's considered an exempt group. But everybody knows that if you're, a, if you're a male and you transition to female, you're going to have a biological advantage. But on the other hand, mm -hmm. they tell us, no, no, that you're, you're purely female. But then we know the traditional American says, yeah, but men, men that transition to women don't clean up uh, I mean, women that transition, transition to men don't clean up in men's sports. There's a difference. There's a biological difference. So it it's just falls on deaf ears. So I think exactly we're right. in America, look at all of these things, and we think this is not the old politics. This is not the end party, the out party, the left, the right. This is something new. This is beyond yeah. the 60s cultural revolution. This is kind of like Maoism where it's totality, yes. they want to go into every aspect of our life, private life, economic, political, social, cultural, and change it, uh, and ideological. And they're going to reward people who follow that, and they're going to punish people that say, not this pig, I'm not going to yes. do it. It doesn't make sense. All of what he said doesn't make sense. I was reading, while that story was on, companies like Kohl's, the department store, Kohl's, they're doing it now. They have their displays of, of pride clothes. And it's like they don't care about their reputation or their long-term profits. It, they're doing it for another reason. It doesn't make sense. It looks like it looks like economic suicide on the part of businesses because all you have to do is look at Bud Light and Target and see the billions of dollars they've lost. Some of mm -hmm. that will never come back. A and you wonder, how, how, how can they possibly continue, despite all of this negative evidence, to do what they're doing? You know, what is going on with these people? And he, when you have people like Victor Davis Hansen, uh, he's as confused sounding as, as, uh, as you and I are. Um, well, I live in a state of confusion, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, these people are... Uh, not making any sense. They're doing things that are just against good business sense. I mean, if you said to somebody, look at, uh, we have to increase our business by, by, uh, having nasty people at the checkout counters. We've got to have, uh, clerks who don't give our customers any help. We have to keep our stores as dirty as possible. Right. I mean, you'd laugh. You'd say, no, that's not how they work. You have to have friendly people at the, at the desk. You have to have uh, good clerics. You have to have a clean store. Well, then how is this making sense? You know this is going to destroy your customer base, but yet they continue to do it. They continue to, to do it. I mean, Kohl's, Target, 
uh, Bud Light. You know, Bud Light, you think they learned? No, 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 no. They're a big sponsor of the gay pride parades around the country over, I guess, Pride Month. And that's another thing, Bill. Now that I'm on a, I'm on a roll oh, here. Yeah. Um, I'm looking for something while you but, do this. But, you know, this is, I'm, I'm a little tired of all these months. I'm a little tired of, you know, Asian American month and Hispanic month and Pride month uh, because they're divisive. They are divisive. We should have a law that says no more months, no more celebrations of, of these little slivers of our population. Let's, everything we celebrate has got to be something that is unifying. We've got to have American this and American that. No more uh, Pride Day. Listen, when you have a Pride Celebration Month, you are pointing out uh, a group as as a unique and separate part of the total. You know, I, I truly believe this. We've got to stop this nonsense. Otherwise, if you're going to do that, I think we should have Irish American Month. We should have Italian American Month. We should have Asian American Month. German American Month. I mean, we don't have enough months to do it, to cover yeah, all yeah. the bases. But, you know, I don't think, you know, being conservative, that we're the only ones that feel that way. There are liberals that feel exactly the same way. So where this weird wokeness is coming from beats me. I got a friend. Oh, there goes the screen. Mm -hmm. I was going to say they, they posted something if my computer comes up, which was kind of funny. But it shows the irony that is going on in America, if you're ready for it. Mm -hmm. But uh, he wrote a, po a, a post over the weekend and said, feeling cute. Might have a Bud Light wearing my NFL jersey, watching a Disney movie with minority characters, do some shopping at Target, uh, stopping by Starbucks on my way home. Who's in? You know, because he was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But see, but you know, if it wasn't so sad, it would be funny. But it's, ah, it is sad. It is sad. It, but, but this guy is, you know, and I, and I, uh, I said, Hey, you just made uh, you you bleeding liberal. You just uh, you gave me a good belly laugh. You know, he goes, well, at least you see the irony too. And I'm going, yeah, we can agree on this. Oh. You know, and what else can we agree on, left and right? But you know, this the Mulvaneys of the world. Mulvaney didn't care a damn about Bud Light. What he was trying to do is claim his moment of fame. You know, you know, and that's what he was doing. He he doesn't care that he wrecked a company. My dad is a veteran, was a veteran of World War II. Uh, he was in the Battle of the Bulge. He told me some horrific stories about death and uh, tragedy mm -hmm. uh, and, and sacrifice. And I, I got to think that if he were alive right now, he would, be, he would be mortified at what has become the norm. I mean, to see people walking around, men flaunting themselves in tight Women's clothing. Never mind. Never mind uh, dressing up in dresses. Okay, there's an element of this group that enjoys being in in these over these shrunken bathing suits. They look like uh, they look like ten pounds in a five pound bag. If you know what I'm talking about, and and yet they they love it. They love flaunting. They and they love being around little children. Now, in my day. That's a pedophile. That's pedophilia. And, and there's, a, mm -hmm. there's a, a philosophy out there that what they're trying to do is normalize pedophilia right now in our society. They're trying to make it uh, accepted to a certain extent. 
And I think that's a topic maybe for another program because we could do a, probably a whole show. Oh, yeah, you could do that. And yeah. tell you, you could also take the topic that we're talking about right now. And what are they really, what, what's their agenda? But I think everything that they're doing is to divide us as a people. And so if you're a transgender, you know, or you have, you know, alternative mm-hmm. sexual reality, it's not that the, it's not so much of us being homophobes and making fun of you. What it's really all about is them trying to make it appear that we are divided and divide us to where when they do that, they control the both of us. You're a pawn, and we are pawns too, playing a game to somebody that we need to figure out who's pulling those strings and put it and back arrest on them. them. <laughs> yeah, arrest, arrest them and get rid of them. So you can live your life, I can live my life, and we get along in harmony, and we don't have to sit there and, you know, have all this hate amongst us. I think we have uh, a whole other show we can talk about. Uh, we can talk about this tomorrow uh, because uh, it's going to be a uh, crazy. A lot of people, by the way, think that something major is going to happen this week, the beginning, the end of May or the very beginning of June. Something, either we're going to lose our internet Something important is going to happen, and it's coming down the pike. So uh, if if you don't hear us, and if you don't hear anything, it's because we lost our Internet. But trust me, as soon as we get it back, we'll be back. But I paid the bill. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, uh, that's about it. I hope you have a wonderful day. Anything planned today? Are you going to do anything special? Or? Uh, no. I mean, at uh, some point in time, I will mosey back to uh, the, the home territory. It's just, you know, whether I... Uh, Go off and do it today or this week, you know, just because uh, it's a, you know, it's a, a five. Hour, actually, coming up here should have been a five hour drive. Mm-hmm. And because of traffic oh. on Friday, and even though I left early, was it seven and a half hours, eight hours? Oh, yeah, because I hit one traffic delay after another, and you get going all of a sudden, you know, mm-hmm. Google comes on. Uh, 11 miles ahead, there's well, a 15-minute delay. You're like, oh, no. My my uh, weekend excursion was to Porchview. You know, well, I've been to Porchview a lot it, of times. Porchview is great. Now, have a you short been to trip. front or back Porchview? Oh, I like to go to, uh, to back Porchview, actually, yeah. yes. Because uh, then you can wear whatever you want. That's exactly knows. right. I as was long just... as you got fenced in. <laughs> that's exactly right. Hey, Bill, have a great day, my friend. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> see you, buddy. The Voice of Freedom, CRN America. These days, when you want an answer about just about anything, you ask Alexa. You ask her about the weather. You ask her who won your favorite sporting event. You ask her to find a fact that you can't find anywhere. Well, we did that too. We asked her how many people have downloaded itsanotherday.com. And this is what she said. From acceleration.com. It has been downloaded as much as 260,433,467 times. I know. Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot to us, too. But it's Alexa. Thanks for making us a part of your day. And tell your friends about itsanotherday.com. We could use an extra listener. I mean, what do you do when you only have 260 million? <laughs>